Welcome to the Global Market Outlook 2023 brought to you by RBC Capital Markets. In this audio cast, you'll hear insights from Nitin Babar and John Coles, global co-heads of Equity Capital Markets, along with Duncan Smith, co-head of European ECM and Corporate Broking, and Justin Grimman, Managing Director and Head of Equity Capital Markets Australia, as they talk about their outlook for the year ahead. What has worked in terms of execution in markets? Maybe John, I'll go with you first. I'm gonna answer that in a couple ways. There are things that have worked in terms of the product. What are we bringing to investors that works in this environment? And then maybe from our standpoint as practitioners in equity capital markets, the techniques, the how do we get it done? On the second side, it's a little bit easier. It all gets to what we're talking about, which is de-risking and providing stability of outcome. And a perfect example is a transaction that we uh, literally just priced this morning uh, after a two-day wall cross with investors, a confidential process with investors for a sale of equity from a financial sponsor, traditional product from our world. And the financial sponsor here says, in this market, I'm not quite ready to do things the old-fashioned way, which is to just launch a deal, go market for a couple of days and price it. Let's do things a little differently, which is to walk across investors, know exactly what the outcome is going to be before we take public market exposure. That has been a technique that's been used here and there in the equity markets over the last five or 10 years. I think that's going to continue to be much more of the execution technology going forward to do everything possible to de-risk it. In terms of product itself and what are we bringing to market, the no surprise given the discussion we've been having, it is companies that are executing well raising primary capital for continued expansion of their businesses for the ones that are working, the pattern recognition for investors. We told you we're going to do this, we've done it, now we need more of your hard-earned money to put to work to do, to do this going forward. Um, we also have seen on the flip side, we've seen those who are investors on private companies who become public, private equity, venture capital, um, saying to themselves, it's that time of year. I would really like to take a few of my chips off the table in my investments that have generally worked. That is something that we have tried to help, in particular private equity, with in many different ways, whether that is a follow-on that can get done, whether that is a corporate equity derivative for RBC to loan them money against their equity stake to bridge the time gap or price gap between now and when they want to actually sell or any number of other techniques to allow them to take a few chips off the table. Oh, look, Europe's certainly been the same on the wall crossing um, and some of the techniques and the processes. We've actually seen that in our market probably for a couple of years now, actually, which is a very healthy dynamic. And, you know, I think it's pretty simple. In terms of what has worked, there have been so few IPOs of great note in Europe, but there have been one or two. I mean, I highlight Porsche, which has been one of the largest IPOs in Europe since 2010. That's done very well. The word unique gets used a lot, I think, in our markets incorrectly. I think Porsche is actually unique in terms of its offering for global investors. So I don't think we can draw too many conclusions for that, but that has worked. Other than that, I think it's been very similar characteristics to the one you've just laid out, John, I think. And again, that makes total sense given the market backdrop. You know, but it's existing businesses that are listed that people already are supportive of. They will provide capital for them if there are particular growth opportunities or particular M&A opportunities. That will be there for people and for businesses that are relatively resilient and established and people are already supporting, they will support them in the market. But I think it's the new businesses that are coming that's been our great challenge. Justin, how have you customized execution approach for the markets that we're in? Well, similar to Europe, most ASX transactions uh, involve some form of war crossing process. 
typically with a small group of shareholders and some additional um, new investors that may look to participate in the transaction. However, probably worth noting that on a multi-billion dollar transaction that we did this year, we actually essentially went live on an M&A transaction prior to launching the wall crossing process. This could be considered a bit of an unusual approach, particularly for a large M&A financing in our somewhat challenging markets. But we were absolutely driven by the M&A work stream rather than the market dynamics or strategic considerations. I think what it did demonstrate, though, was the importance of building maximum responsiveness into ECM processes at the moment so that you can move very quickly, particularly on M&A, as market conditions evolve. I think it also underscored the importance of having strong confidence in the fundamental product that we're bringing to market, particularly as John has mentioned. I think the most important message that we've been giving to issuers here in Australia throughout 2022 Um, and it will be the same going forward, is that quality of deals and quality of companies will be well supported. But timing and flexibility with respect to timing is also very important. It is almost always better to access capital markets from a position of strength as opposed to when you have less optionality. So being prepared and being ready to execute quickly is critical. Similar in your market, Ned? Well, it's interesting. I'd say that what we've told issuers all year long is, first of all, if you've got good use of proceeds, usually M&A, usually something that is growth but not excessive growth. It is on script as to what you've communicated with your shareholders and you need a reasonable amount of capital, there will be a market for you. But you need flexibility, particularly in M&A environments where the vendor needs to give you a few weeks. Uh, Otherwise, you could find yourself backed into a corner in some really difficult times. So be prepared. Make sure you have everything at the ready. Have flexibility in terms of timing. And frankly, our execution this year, we've had a pretty busy year, oddly enough, um, has been a little bit away from the wall crosses because the balance of the discussion around an investor, would you like to buy this? Yes, I'd like to buy it down 15%. Um, That dynamic has led us in certain large deals to say it's probably not wise to go do a wall cross but let's get something out there that has compelling value. And with stocks down during the year anywhere from 20 to 30% across broader US markets and down you know, 10 to 15 in Canadian markets, the opportunity to re-up at lower levels for existing investors and new investors potentially um, has been there. So we, we've sort of taken that balance. Where we've seen wall crosses be more successful is when you're looking for large anchor tenants in, in very large size rather than regular run-of-the-mill execution. So that's been one divergent thing, I think. And, it, and it's not because we're huge fans of wall crosses. It's just a question of what are you really asking for and can you not price something that's Yeah, there's probably an interesting debate as to whether the use of wall cross is in and of itself bearish, meaning that you're a little bit unsure of the outcome and need to protect against the outcome that you don't want. Of course, that's human nature. We all want that. On the other hand, it's not free, right? I think that's your point, that you're implicitly, as a seller, using that technique, maybe buying an insurance policy that you didn't necessarily know how much it cost. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I think, again, every situation is different. And we, we have these discussions as well with a number of our clients or a number of our clients that are relatively regular issuers. And, you know, we debate the benefits or not, therefore, of Warcross. And actually, we haven't for them, um, given their particular dynamics. But I think ordinary course, you know, down the fairway stuff, 
a limited wall cross can be beneficial. Um, but I think you're absolutely right. There are certain situations whereby you're giving a little bit way too much to the market. You can be confident about the execution for a number of particular reasons. Yeah. Strength in the industry, strength in that stock, discount to peers, whatever it might be. There are a combination of factors where actually you just go down a traditional route. Uh, we have talked about IPOs uh, in the midst of this discussion, yeah. but I think we go to the biggest IPO market in the world, and I think everybody's looking for what the pulse is. You know, we saw a crazy 2021. Going into 2022, there have been a smattering of IPOs. What are your perspectives as to where we came from and where we're going on that? Yeah, it's the, it's the question we all are struggling with. I, I look to history to be data-informed, not data-driven, but historically, the U.S. market has been, call it, $350 billion per year in equity, another $65 billion per year or so in convertibles, and split relatively evenly among sectors with the technology and healthcare dominating as of more recently. I'm leaving the SPAC phenomenon aside for a moment, and call it $70 billion per year in IPOs. We're clearly, on every measure possible, well, well off of that. The question then becomes, do we have a massive buildup of backlog that's waiting for some version of the all clear sign to hit the market? Or has funding dried up in the lead up to IPOs in such a way that we're not going back to what we had historically? I think the answer is, like most things, probably somewhere in between. Um, venture capital certainly has been hurt. The new company formation has been hurt. But overall, there are many, many very good companies that are very well-funded who are in the backlog waiting for the market. Now, will that valuation be what it was two years ago? Absolutely not. Will the KPIs, will the things that investors demand of those companies be changed and be skewed more towards things that we associate with more mature companies, with predictability and stability? They certainly want growth. Uh, they certainly will continue to want that, but with more of a path to profitability and free cash flow. Absolutely all those will be there. I believe that the market gets back to a healthy area where we will say this looks like 23, whether it's 23, whether it's 24, 25, beyond, look like years past when you exclude 22 as the wild down year and when you exclude 21 as the year of the SPAC, which skewed everything. I think we get back to some version of a reality. The path to get there and the constituents of that IPO class will look a little different. I think it'll look a little more balanced as we talked about. Certainly, I expect technology to still dominate the IPO volume. Biotech IPOs have been one of the few bright spots in the U.S. equity capital markets, which in some ways is a little strange. Talk about the most long-term investment, the biggest one where you have to take a leap of faith, the one where you have to put money in and you might get some kind of answer years from now. That's actually been one of the few bright spots. And I take that as optimistic, that investors are still willing to bet in long-term secular growth stories that have an ability to really change the paradigm out there in any given uh, sector, in, in, whether it's in biotech, it's in any given therapeutic area. I'd bring back the word I used earlier, and that is balance. Uh, the performance of last year's IPOs, you pick the geography, is horrible. There was a fear of missing out, rates were near zero. There was no opportunity cost. You had to be in equities, IPOs represented a discount to where equities traded theoretically. But ex post, the performance has been so bad that I do think that we're in a healthier place for a conversation around capital formation for new companies. And all of those dynamics uh, in a higher rate environment, uh, hopefully we're going to tap out on rates fairly soon, 
but it's going to be a higher rate environment. And, and for that reason, I think investors will expect an opportunity for value and a good balance in that power between issuer and investor or sponsor and investor, whereby there is a win-win that occurs. And I think that's the healthiest market we can hope for. Justin, how is it in your markets? Yeah, well, the IPO markets in Australia have essentially been closed after a record year in 2021. We are starting to see some high-quality, profitable companies with strong defensive characteristics begin preparations so that they are at the front of the queue for when the window opens in 2023. I think as discussed by my colleagues, these companies are generally more mature than many of the growth companies that dominated the flows that we saw in 2021. I think a strong pipeline in of itself helps build momentum and engagement with the market, which when combined with market stability should result in an opening of the IPO window. I think we are cautiously optimistic that this will occur in 2023. I think over time, we still expect technology and growth companies to re-emerge as the primary source of new issuance. However, it is probably too early for many to go public at valuations that would be well below some of their more recent financing rounds. I think generally for us as practitioners, equity may be a more important component of company funding structures, you know, those listed and those coming to market than perhaps it has been in the past. It's not as easy just to turn up to a group of banks or the fixed income markets and get some nice liquidity at a nice low rate. I think equity is going to be an important part of that. Well, the, the one major constituency we haven't really talked about yet is private equity. Private equity is arguably in its most well-funded state that it has ever been. Clearly their use of leverage and ability to act with leverage is down, given the points you just made on where interest rates are period and where the leverage finance markets are. But in general, private equity has massive, massive cash on the sidelines. Private equity has historically in the U.S. been anywhere from 25 to 40% of IPO volume in any given year. And it tends to skew to the type of investments that are more balanced, more in the vein of what you talked about, Nitin, which is outside of high growth, high loss-making technology. So that dynamic of private equity bringing transactions to the public markets, for me, is also one of the reasons to be very optimistic. There is a built-up backlog of high-quality companies that are owned by private equity, that are levered less than they had been historically, and that are in fitting with the balance of what public market investors want to buy. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly uh, described the pipeline we have in Europe. There is a much bigger breadth to the businesses that are looking to potentially come to IPO over the next six, 18 months. You know, they come from a whole, a much broader set of industries. Quite a good number of them happen to be owned by private equity. And they're of scale. They're established scale businesses that are already profitable and continuing to grow. But this, so the balance that we talk about in terms of breadth of businesses coming to market, it definitely feels much more normal and much more healthy in terms of the look forward. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.